Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novels. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. We are back on the floor of the Toronto Comics Arts Festival. TCAF in Toronto. Diverse city, diverse comics. We got They got it all right here. Ah, but this time we're talking with Ben Passmore. Ben, welcome and thank you for being on More to Come. What's up, what's up? Yeah, well, you're what's up right now. Uh, you and the issues that you like, you talk about and you bring into your comics. Uh, for those of you who may not know, um, in fact, I was we were just talking about this, I discovered your black friend, uh, this Really thoughtful, uh, greatly illustrated book. Kind of, you know, it, it really looked at how do I describe it? Black activist Bohemia in a way that I kind of hadn't seen, kind of uh, uh, delineated before. Uh-huh. Looking at the world, the people around you, uh, and really talking about how different ways of racism work. Right. Um, uh, did I did I roughly describe it? Uh, uh, better for you to talk about your own work. I mean, I'm trying to do it off the top of my head. I here. mean, your description is it's interesting to me, you know, because it was like such a personal book mm-hmm. that I didn't. I initially made for uh, Cake in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, like that's the indie show out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I scammed some black and white copies, mm-hmm. uh, and this, you know, it was started off black and white. And then Silver Sprocket later made a, a color edition. Um, so I expected to sell, hopefully, you know, 25 copies of it. Uh, something that was like a throw-off. Because before that book, I had just mostly done, like, genre stuff, like punk sci-fi stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, that, you know, it was, I'm like one of the characters. Like, it's, it's something that, you know, I like dealing with those kinds of issues through, like, the lens of genre. It, like... In a way, it creates a mediation so that I can make sure that I'm making a good story on sure. top of writing something that's personal. Mm-hmm. So this was something that was like, even though I'm not a protagonist in it, was still very, very personal. Mm-hmm. And talking about like being being a black punk in New Orleans, right? It was interesting though because it was like, and you know, your black friend is obviously like a bit of a joke, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, no, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not well, every, yeah. Well, yeah. look, we, we uh, we've all been in that in situations similar right. like that where we. <laughs> Where we see kind of attitudes passing before us that are not necessarily blatantly racist, right. but they're certainly uh, it, it just shows a uh, a myopia, right. uh, a cultural and social myopia of the people around us. Very often, people we care about. Yeah, and I, I just you seem to outline the situation very clearly uh, for all to see. Yeah, it's sort of interesting. I was having a. A conversation at the time with someone about Colin Kaepernick, and they're like, "Well, his two parents are white." And I was thinking about how Malcolm X went to a like a predominantly white high school. Mm. And there's sort of like I think I it's always been interesting to me, like growing up, you know, with a white mom and like mm. a on a on a black street in a very white town. Um, that there that there is like I think people who have. Uh, Let's let's maybe the word has been subjected to mm-hmm. or exposed to uh, in the way that people are exposed to radiation. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it does do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. kind of like, affects you on a molecular yeah. level. Yeah, right. So it's like so you sort of recognize 
the nature and the nuances of white supremacy yeah. expressions in a way that I think other people don't. Like when I mm-hmm. lived in Georgia, I had a lot of friends that really never talked to white people all that much. Mm-hmm. And I think we're often more like, oh, I'm sure they mean well. Mm-hmm. Da, da, da. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? They mm-hmm. weren't holding some like frustration. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's, I, for better or for worse, I've had the opportunity maybe to like articulate, particularly after reason, reading Franz Fanon's Black Skin, yeah, White Masks. Mm-hmm. Um, that really gave me uh, just a glossary of terms um, and, a, and a perspective uh, and a confidence mm-hmm. to, to sort of write about it in that way. But it's been interesting, yeah, for people, a lot of people come to that book first and then later it'd be like, what's all this stuff with like tentacles and like. Well, well I, I, <laughs> I want to ask you about that too. Yeah. But I do think it's, it's very interesting as I discovered more of your comics. Uh-huh. Uh, I guess this was stuff on the NIP, particularly about activism in New Orleans. I think right. around the Confederate statues. Right. I mean, you really just have a, a, a knack for kind of looking at grassroots, how people are functioning to, to be able to, to risk, resist the challenge. Right. Racism, white supremacy, and right. as well as just bad municipal politics. Right. Uh, right. Um, and you have a really kind of open, down to earth way of looking at, uh, how you, how you act, how you work to, uh, right. for political change. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, I think, so like, my, my, my political tradition is a, is an anarchist one. Mm-hmm. So for me, like, the most important thing is communities that develop in struggle towards like a more like liberated liberated situation that's permanent so for me it's like uh i had the benefit before the nib ever asked me to write things of having you know i've been an anarchist since i was in high school Mm -hmm. um you know i've been sort of like trying to chase you know like movements of resistance for a long Mm -hmm. time to just put you know i never wrote comics about it right because it's not about that Uh um but what but i think around the time that like in New Orleans, in New Orleans, especially like you know, it was like you know, everyone was like uh, seeing like the uprising in Ferguson, Baltimore, yeah. and people were like, "All right, Black Lives Matter." Like, what does that look like here? I saw a lot of sort of like younger people, you know, who had the opportunity to go to college, and, you know, you know, younger Black kids mm-hmm. really into poetry, yeah, wood mm-hmm. jewelry. I felt like they were very enthusiastic. I felt like they had uh, sort of like a revisionist understanding of both uh, traditions of resistance, mm-hmm. both black and white, and also just, like, the logistics of how it happens, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and, and it became really frustrating where it's like, you know, like, our ancestors, you know, our ans- our elders, right, we're not standing around talking, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, so I felt, and there was also a lot of people that were like, well, we don't want to rock the boat too much because we're afraid of being in danger. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I started doing nib stuff, I was the first nib comic i did was about me getting arrested in georgia at a clan rally and i picked that one specifically because it was like look i'm in this place uh trying to participate in a way uh and it's like the we are already in danger right absolutely Um, so better better to decide right Mm -hmm. um so i i don't know i like I don't know. I feel uh, different kinds of ways about representation, but I felt like it was important to write comics where I, as a black man, am in danger, and I'm making yeah. that decision. Well, there was um, a real irony yeah. in that comic, too, because, what, you're arrested for having a mask on. Oh, right, yeah. And I, what doesn't one of the characters say something about, well, the law was about... Right, Supposedly, uh, right. yeah, unmasking right. the clan. Who I was there. Yeah, to too, for, yeah, so yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. I already kind of spirals through the whole piece. Right. But you also give us a, a, a 
well, a, a rested eye view mm-hmm. of going through the criminal justice system, right? The jail for a political act, right? So, I mean, all of this is useful and informative, I think, to activists in a maybe in a different kind of way from mm-hmm. political theory. I mean, you kind of mm-hmm. show this resistance in mm-hmm. practice. Right. Yeah, I definitely. And personally, I'm I'm really interested in praxis. You know, I read a lot of dry theory, mm. but you know, it's like at the end of the day, you can read too much, right? Like, well, I read a lot a long time ago. Right. I'm a little older, so I, I've read it lately. But right, but, uh, it's, it's the same, right? Yeah, you know, I read it's, banana it's a long not, time ago. But there, yeah. you go. they pick new words for things. Yeah, 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 it's really it's really the same. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I appreciate that. I hope that people are sort of. Yeah, I mean, my my hope is that people also will like participate in things. Be like, all right, well, let me try it out. Yeah, you know absolutely. I mean? But uh, but let's jump to your, to your journey because you do have this sort of punk sci-fi going right. on. But the, some of the same issues seem to be there as well. Right. Even though, I mean, I was looking at some things on your website actually to look up uh, Cottonwood as you were, and, oh. and even home. What's this homework? I know you're working with some other writers yeah. on some of this, yeah. but you have such a distinctive visual style. Right. Uh, you know, you're, you you it's cartoony, but mm-hmm. it's really grounded, um, mm-hmm. and your color too. I mean, so it, 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 that's another thing. It brings this, it brings a sense of pop culture, mm. adventurism to really political stuff, mm. uh, gritty mm. stuff. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm rambling here. Oh no. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, I guess, I guess what I'm asking is how do you develop your style of, de- of, of expressing these experiences? Um, well, it's funny because recently, with this like people being angry that I that I had opinions about R. Crumb, someone said that I was like a poor R. Crumb ripoff, and I was like, "That's not true. I am at most a, like a Jim Davis like ripoff, okay. you know, like uh, or sorry, not Jim Davis, Guy Davis. Um, yeah, 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 Guy Davis. I was I was really fascinated with like Mike Mignola, Guy Davis. Sure, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was. Uh, Brandon Graham has had some problematic behavior recently, but I was, you know, a big fan of Brandon Graham. Yeah, yeah. Um, he had, a, he was a major yeah. influence. Uh, and for me, you know, I would read World War Three, like a lot sure. of like mm-hmm. the anti-globalization era comics, and was mm-hmm. always like, "This looks terrible. Mm-hmm. This is terrible looking stuff." Some of these comics are really boring. I'm interested <laughs> in this stuff. Um, so for me, and I always really, I felt like, you know, growing up. I feel like I was part of the, like, one of the first generations of black kids that was really into anime. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, the escapism and, like, cyberpunk. And, uh, and I felt really seen and was able to, like, imagine worlds. You know, this is way before Afro, the popularization of Afro sure. culture. Mm-hmm. So just projecting myself in that way. So, like, for a long time, I was like, I like, poli- I believe in my politics, but really I just want to, like, put things in this genre because I feel like it's more fun. Well, that's one of the great things about your comics. I mean, you've got serious politics in it, but you, I, you, 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 you've managed to stock it with, I think, a generational, and I think also a, a general, a new generational look at blackness. Uh-huh. Also, that doesn't presume as much, or presumes things that people think you know black people shouldn't be doing or don't do. Oh, right. And yeah, yeah. I think that 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 complexity mm-hmm. with the uh, with your conversational po- uh, activism, mm-hmm. I, I think it really makes it open to a larger audience. And also, I think it makes black people like you know maybe rethink some of their own conservative positions. Oh, word. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's like I never want to come off as like a, like prescriptive. When I am prescriptive, I try to make it seem like. 
you know, when your good friends is trying to put you in the right yeah. direction, where it's like, I know you, yeah, you right, know right. what I mean? Like, you know, let's I talk. See, but, you know, it's like, let me just, let me talk to you for a little bit. I think also some of it, too, is that, like, I think we're taught uh, just, like, about, like, what we would maybe call activism, but just, like, uh, like small P, like, political participation. It's, like, very, it's very much, like, an industrial capitalist, I, you yeah. know, like, mm. uh, value of just working until you're ground down. Mm. But for me, it's, like, I'm a, I'm a be, I'm a be black my whole life. You know, capitalism is it's not going away. Not going <laughs> so it's, like, how yeah. do I do this, you know, for as long as I can? Mm. And I feel like, in general, we, you know, we create uh, amazing culture, right? We create an American culture. Absolutely. And they're stolen from us. But it's, like... A, and we're like, you know what I mean? It's like, so we have a long tradition of like being funny and creative, like regardless yeah, of under pressure. Yeah. So it's like, why wouldn't our comics be like yeah. that? Like, yeah. why wouldn't a lot of political yeah. comics be like that? So I guess that's like my motivation. Yeah. To like, keep it light, keep it funny, keep it serious. You know, and try to balance yeah. that. And on that note, tell us about Bottom Feeders. Oh, Bottom Feeders. That you're feeders. working with uh, Ezra Clayton Daniels. Yeah. Well, Ezra Clayton Daniels is an amazing writer. Yeah. Um, and definitely. Yeah, I mean, when I when he approached me about the book, I think it's been like two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. It's a long time ago when he started working on it. I remember reading the. He told me about. it, I was like, "All right, like I'm broke, you know." So, <laughs> so, so the answer is yes. yes but then let's I do it. Right, and then, yeah. But I read the script and I was like, "Who is this guy? Yeah, like how is he not widely read? Because uh, he's such a fantastic writer. But, you know, bottom feeders." Yes. You know, touches a lot of these topics. It's a it's a genre, or it's like an approach of gentrification, yeah. um, appropriation through the you know the genre of like body horror, mm-hmm. um, and it's a yeah, it's deeply atmospheric. In a lot of ways, it's it's a, like visually sort of different from what I usually do, um, but you know I think that that's what collaboration does. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, it's the I feel like we've really created. Uh, like a child, right? Like a like a vo- like yeah. a voice, a new voice that's sort of like a combination of uh, both of ours. Um, but yeah, yeah. But your characters they they also carry on this dialogue of uh, of kind of of cultural investigation that's going on right mm-hmm. now of cultural mm-hmm. appropriation. Mm-hmm. I mean, who who are we or who are you, right. and how we use these symbols in our daily right. lives. Um, but it's 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 all on this vehicle of pop culture right. horror. This kind of a thing. so right. it's interesting how you conflate these tools. I mean, right. kind of the conflicts of, of social life yeah. and you know yeah. the conflicts of adventure and clash. Right. It. I mean, it all kind of works together in a way that's entertaining, right? But a little bit more, right? Well, I've, I mean, I feel very grateful that we're like in a post Get Out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, and that's Culture a good. Where, that's know, a good description. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like it's like we have an opportunity now, and in some ways, like more of like a language to sort of like approach these topics in this way, mm-hmm. where we can investigate things and have fun and tell stories. And I think there's just a lot more people now that are like willing. You know, it's like I don't know if Bottom Feeders would have gotten published a couple of years. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, you know, I hear you. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, it feels like a really, really good time to, you know, through fiction especially, um, to sort of approach the topic. And I feel like that ideas can live in fiction longer than they can in theory and in nonfiction in a lot of ways. I think so. Um, obviously, good nonfiction transcends. But I think in general, I, l- I like to see like, also like, you know, like black kids are like, 
riding skateboards and wearing studs. They're like dying yep. their dreads and stuff. Like from when I was younger, when like performance of blackness could where was often very narrow, particularly where I lived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like a lot, like just a really good time for people to explore and feel comfortable with it, which is really really exciting. And it feels like bottom feeders is a part of that. You know what I mean? I think you're absolutely. Yeah. So what's this other project you were working on? I'm gonna, you you mentioned we were ch- chatting a little bit before. Yeah, the- yeah. I mean, it's super early, and there's not yeah. even a title for it. But okay. I, I, um, the last two years, I've been doing a lot of research, particularly because I moved to Philadelphia uh, oh, around mm-hmm. uh, black militants uh, in that like in that pocket, um, the late '60s, early '70s. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, obviously the Black Panthers, but also Ram, which has existed for a couple of years in mm-hmm. Philly, uh, the Black Liberation Army, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess was sort of active until the early eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Move organization, obviously. Sure. Yeah. Um, I and I guess I've just been th- you know like through you know Black Lives Matter movement, and then just sort of seeing like that kind of rise, and then to me really sputter out or like not prove to like. It's sort of interesting. It's like after Ferguson and Balt and like Baltimore, I was like, "Oh, this is interesting." It's like after you know, like the Panthers popped up after Watts, right? So like, right. what are we going to see in a modern iteration mm-hmm. of some way? And we really didn't. Mm-hmm. And I've been really curious about that. And I've been going back to sort of like read about the experiences of a lot of these people. Like some some dudes, like Russell Maroon Schultz, who was. Um, part of the Philly Black Panthers and then was in another organization I can't really remember but basically it was like BLA they were robbing mm-hmm. banks um, assassinating well. police <laughs> you know to event yeah, being okay. very extra yeah, okay. so he's been in solitary confinement uh, I think well, since mm-hmm. the 80s he got out for a little bit um, he, he escaped mm-hmm. but anyway so he's been he's been writing about Black Liberation Army um, where he saw the Panthers be right and be wrong and I was like you know, some people have access to this writing, but it's like, I I feel like we could really learn a lot from this era, uh, and I'm really, there's a lot of people that haven't really been interviewed widely, and haven't, and their, their writings and experience haven't been written in something that's really accessible, like comics, mm-hmm. so I want to do something that's like, like pretty extensive, um, about about that history and also talking about where they are now. I was just talking to a friend about the Weathermen, which was a you know a group of left wing anti war activists, you know that uh, that did a, a long bombing campaign. Yeah. And what's interesting is that they all got to live. <laughs> oh, very interesting. <laughs> Unlike yeah. the Black Liberation yeah. Army, which yeah. largely was killed, imprisoned, some of them were exiled. Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, there's that's and there's a lot of PTSD, you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So it's it's just sort of interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is I mean, this is you're you're, you're describing the, the years of my coming of age. Right. Say, you know, I'm over sixty, mm-hmm. so I came of age in the sixties and the seventies through a lot of these movements that you're mm-hmm. talking about. So uh, I'm anxious to see it. I mean, you've kind of shown that you've got your own take on these things mm-hmm. uh, and a way to kind of uh, bring other bring the audiences in. So mm-hmm. uh, we can't wait to see what you're going to be doing man i appreciate it yeah yeah more to come from you for sure i hope so. all right ben look thank you so much for being on more to come absolutely all right we'll talk some more <laughs> when you get it done take care yeah, yeah. Welcome, to more. welcome to more to come pw's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing i'm calvin reed senior news editor of publishers weekly and co-editor of pw comics world check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash Comics. Well, we're back on the floor of Book Expo 2019, uh, the book industry's annual uh, convention, and I'm here with Maya Kobe, 
uh, a, who, uh, uh, who is both a graphic novel artist and occasionally does some writing for Publishers Weekly. Uh, Maya, thank you so much for being on More to Come. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Well, uh, I, well, first, I do want to uh, mention uh, your pronouns. Yes. And you want to talk about that very yeah, quickly? Yeah, definitely. So In I, a book about gender? Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's very appropriate. Yeah. It's uh, related to the content. I use the pronouns E, M, air, which are used grammatically the same as they, them, there, with a T-H knocked off. Um, this is a pronoun set called Spivik, and it's got a cute little history on wikipedia.com if you want to look it up. And I will. I will. Yeah. Um, but tell us about uh, Gender Queer, and it's a memoir. Uh, it is. Published by Lion Forge. It's already out May, the end of, the, end of yes. May it was published. Um, yeah, so the comic bookstore release date was May 15. The normal bookstore release date was May 28. And the initial print run is already sold out, which is right. very exciting. All right. Um, so, yeah, this is a memoir. It's all about my life. It specifically focuses on memories dealing with gender identity, sexuality, and coming out um, to uh, friends, family, and then eventually mm. coming out at work. Um, and just sort of all the parts of my life that are related to that. So definitely a, a focused memoir. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us some high points. I mean, I mean, this is always obviously an issue. We, we, we seem to be in a time right now where actually there is seems to be a, a really outpouring of literature about uh, gender identity. Yes. Uh, as you know, we go through the social changes that are needed, necessary to make everybody inclusive. I mean, are there? Uh, can you tell our listeners something about uh, maybe a key moment in your own life that you would want to that they can find in the book? Yeah, definitely. So um, I grew up in California for a little context in a very liberal part of this country mm-hmm. with really like accepting family, and I actually already had out queer family members before I was even born. Mm-hmm. So for me, coming out in high school as bi was really easy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a moment in the book where I tell my mom, "Hey, mom, I think maybe I'm bisexual," and my mom's response was. I always thought you could go either way, which is like, uh, yes, accurate. Um, but it took me another 10 years after that to eventually start really coming about, coming out about and interrogating gender. Because gender is, is a, I think, a more complex subject. And there was so much, so much less literature and so many fewer role models when I was a teen. Mm-hmm. Um, so though I saw, like, I had yeah, a gay uncle and I had a lesbian aunt, mm-hmm. I didn't know a transgender person who was out until I was in grad school. Okay. I was, like, you know, in my t- mid-20s. Mm-hmm. So it really, um, it's so hard to be what you can't see, which is, I know, a yeah. thing that people talk about mm-hmm. really a lot. But it's, it's really true. It's hard to come up with something that's just, you, that you've never even had a, a single hint or visualization for. Mm-hmm. So... Um, that's a lot of why I wrote this, honestly, is, is hoping that people can use this as their own roadmap for their own future. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you start the book? And, uh, and and really, since I have not read it, I'm admitting here, uh, I'm, I'm just curious to hear about the various, you know, social situations that you navigate and personal situations. Yeah. So the book started initially actually as a webcomic that I was running on Instagram. Oh, and um, listeners can actually go on my Instagram, which is at Red Bold Sparks, and read over a 100 little journal comics that oh. I posted starting in mid-2016. Um, and that was when I first started thinking about a pronoun switch and first started coming out um, to my extended family. Um, and so the, I was not thinking book when I first started it. Mm-hmm. I was honestly, it came out of a place of, um, I was having all these conversations about gender, you know, with parents, um, aunts, uncles, and people were saying, 
you know, we love you, we want to support you, but we just don't really know what you're talking about. And yeah. so I was like, you know what, I'm trained in comics, I have a master's degree in comics, this is my yeah. media, this is the way I feel most eloquent and able to express myself, so I will make comics about gender. And the response was immediate and mm. amazing. Um, people just would reach out to me in ways that they had never done so before about my previous fiction work. Um, and I think after about a year of doing this, I realized oh, there might, I think this is a, I think there's a book in this. Uh, yeah. Um, and yeah, so I, I showed the mini comics to Andrea Colvin, who was um, yes. a head editor at Lionforge at the time. Mm -hmm. And she loved them and she shepherded me through the um, submission process yes. and became my editor on the book and was just an amazing mentor mm -hmm. to me. Um, yeah, and here's the book now sitting yeah. in front of us. Yeah, so, so can you give us some uh, background on, you know, uh, you, you, yourself as a comics, uh, comics artist? Yeah. Um, when did you start? And you say you got a, a master's. I did. So yeah. I, I, my first ever favorite activity was drawing. And then my second ever favorite activity was reading. Okay. And so it was very much like, how do I combine these two <laughs> things that I love to do? Um, but I, my undergrad degree is in illustration, and I was really focused on children's books, actually, for oh. a lot of years. Where'd you go? Where? Um, I went to a really small liberalized college that no one has heard of. Um, but then okay. I, then I started going to like Zine Fest, and yeah. there was a really great show called Alternative Press Expo that used to be in San Francisco. Sure. Alas, yeah. RIP, no sure. longer. Yeah. Um, but it was a great show, and that's where I actually met a couple of teachers from CCA. And I was like, oh, wow, this is so interesting and exciting. And they were making really, producing really great work. Ed Luce was one of my teachers. Uh -huh. um, Justin Hall, Mari uh -huh. Naomi, um, oh, cool. really mm -hmm. great people who do lovely yes. work. Um, yes. And so then I ended up applying to the CCA MFA in Comics Master's Program. And I'd already been, like, sort of self-publishing and dabbling in webcomics, but that's what really, where I learned, like, the nuts and bolts of comics. Uh -huh. So... So, what have you been doing here at Book Expo around the book? Oh, it's been so fun. Um, I've been doing a signing every day right. and uh, just meeting people. Um, it's been a lot of librarians, which is oh, so great. And well, I can't wait to have this be in libraries. For sure. Um, people have been just so enthusiastic. And then I really want to shout out the marketing department at Lion Forge because every time I've been in like a line for something and people are like, oh, what are you here for? And I mentioned the book. Every single person has said, oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. And I don't think they're lying. I think they're no. I <laughs> know, yeah. absolutely. Okay, I haven't read it, but believe me, I know all about yeah, this book. It's, um, they've been doing <laughs> such a great job with, um, like, just advertising it mm. in like the in really booky places, mm. places where retailers and, and yes. stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think we're having a moment, and by a moment, I don't mean uh, that this is going to end or go away. Uh, I think it's a moment when there's so many. So many authors, uh, so many, there's a, a, a community of readers just looking for books from this community, yes. as well as many other communities that have been overlooked for so many years. Yeah. Uh, we're in a moment now where you can, you can make it, uh, you can connect with readers through an established publisher or other ways. And it seems like you've done it in both ways. Yes, and I am so glad to have, I feel like I have riches. I mean, there's so much <laughs> to read, and yeah, I, I still go to tons of Zine Fest and buy a lot of like indie self-published stuff that I adore. And then, but now there's like really big name stuff, like a memoir that came out really recently was Jacob Tobias' Sissy, a coming mm -hmm. of gender mm -hmm. story, which is a prose yeah. memoir. Um, and it came out about a month before mine, and I was just like, yes, let's just yeah, yeah. take. Because um, Jacob Tobias is also um, non-binary and uses they/them pronouns, and I was just like. Let us take over the bookstore shelves. So. <laughs> well, I think you are, and it's a good thing, and it's about time. So, yeah, it's 
great. <laughs> so, look, it's a pleasure talking to you. Good luck on your book, Gender Queer, a memoir, Michael mm-hmm. uh, Babe. Uh, Lionforge Press is out now. They sold mm-hmm. out the first printing. That's that just means they're going back to press. Yeah, no, it's they've already ordered more. So yes, don't worry, all right. You'll, it's so going to be available. You'll be getting one soon. Mm-hmm. So look, thank you so much for yeah. being on More to Come. Yay, it's thank a pleasure you. to talk to you. Welcome to More to Come, PW Comics World's weekly podcast of comics and graphic novel news, banter, commentary, interviews, conventions, scene, reporting. I'm Heidi McDonald. I am the graphic novels review editor for Publishers Weekly, editor in chief of the Beat, and I'm here at Baltimore Comic Con. That's why there's lots of noise in the background. And I'm talking with the one, the only, the incomparable Carla Speed McNeil. Carla, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. <laughs> See, now, <laughs> uh, uh, Carla, uh, very busy lady. How uh, you do, uh, No Mercy with Alex DeCampi for Image. Uh, and you also work on Finder, which is your own long-running, award-winning, much-loved acclaim. Sci- uh, what do you call it? Anthropological science? You have a good name for it. Uh, Aboriginal SF, yes. which is a modified term from the 30s, I think, or Pops. I made that up and still think I looked it up somewhere. I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, the old the old science fiction fell into two camps. It was either the hard SF, where you actually had to have a physics degree to, to be allowed to write it, uh, or it was strange alien cultures, planet-bound stuff. You know, most of my strange alien cultures are, are human, but aren't they all? Right. Well, it's all a commentary on ourselves, isn't it? Most right. definitely. Yes. Um, how do you balance all this work? What's your working? You know? Well, mm, I think it's the main thing in my life that gives me satisfaction to begin with, but... Um, I'm very easily bored, and so I always want to be working on something. If there's always something in the back of my head, there's always something I can get out on paper. That, and I really love working with writers. I really love collaborating. Even though I love to write, um, I enjoy very much working with other people who, you know, do the backbone of the stuff, and then I, you know, I do all the acting, as it were. Yeah. So, you know, I'm doing No Mercy, but I'm also doing fill-in issues on a horror comic called Harrow County by Cullen Bunn and, uh, and uh, Tyler Crook. Is That's that at awesome. uh, Dark Horse? That's awesome. at Dark Horse. Yes. And uh, next year, I'm going to be doing a, um, a story with Adam Warren. I'm going to do an empowered story. Give him oh, wow. I want. I'm going to do Sister Spooky. Uh-huh. And, you know, that's going to be fun because I don't have to draw on model if I don't want to. Yay. Right. Well, you worked with Warren Ellis, too, in the past. Did you do one of his little books for yeah. Avatar way I, uh, back? In the I did. I have the artwork here for it, actually, because yeah. it's all in one box. How but, much uh, is the pages for that story? Um, Are you selling? Do you I sell do sell them. Oh, yeah, I sell them. Yeah. I don't want to die like the Collier Brothers under a great big pile of pages. <laughs> Pages, really, because I do produce a lot. Um, I generally sell pages for 120, which makes people like Terry Moore scream and say I'm ruining it for everyone. You are kind of, but you know, listeners, if you are listening, uh, just you just heard a huge bargain. Come over to Carla's page. She's <laughs> such an amazing artist. Um, uh, it's such an amazing cartoonist, really. Uh, that was an interesting uh, uh, distinction that they made at the Harveys last night, wasn't it? You know, well, I mean. Uh, the fact that, you know, the difference between the best artist category and the best cartoonist category is that the best cartoonist is the one who does it all. Right, exactly. And yes. I, I often do, yes. Yes. Uh, well, at the Harveys, there was... Um, oh, boy, where to begin? There was actually some really great cartoonists in the best cartoonist category, such as Michael Kupperman, uh-huh. uh, the another great, uh, although nominated for some of his... Smaller work for higher work for Valiant, so that's a little con- con- controversial, I guess. Um, but uh, Carla, you, uh, how was the con for you here? This is always a great con. I love Baltimore con. 
because, you know, I, I don't move a lot of books necessarily, but I do meet new people. And uh, there are quite a lot of people who come to this show specifically to buy art. I think this crowd is pretty savvy. And, you know, anything that's been out for a little while, they've got, they know right. about. They're looking for a new thing or they're looking for the special thing. They're looking for the handmade piece of artwork. They're looking for the special sketch. They're looking for that thing, you know, that's really, you know, right. grail. And, uh, and I get it, you know, so in between selling art, uh, which is kind of, you know, long pauses, uh, I have plenty of time to go out and, uh, meet some of my heroes and, uh, you know, run into people that I never thought I, uh, would meet. Right. And, you know, meet writers that I want to work with and talk to publishers. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. It's pretty so. chill and cool here. Mm -hmm. I have to be honest. It's really, really nice. Um, but, uh, you know, what is going on with Finder? What's going on with Finder is it appears in eight page chunks in, uh, Dark Horse Presents. And I also, for those who are into that, uh, each month afterwards posted on my uh, Patreon for, uh, you know, for, for those who uh, are, uh, for those who, that is their thing. Um, which it might be the, easier for some to find it on Patreon. I might have to investigate that myself because, right. yes. Well, um, <laughs> which means that since uh, Dark Horse Presents is a monthly book, that's a cap of pages, a maximum of 96 a year, which is like half of the size book that I, I'm used to putting out. So I've got a little bit of a dilemma. Do I go ahead and start publishing shorter stories and have a book out every year, you know, like mm. God intended? Or uh, <laughs> do I go ahead and stick to the kind of stories that I tend to come up with, which are, you know, twice that size? Because the current book uh, is called uh, Chase the Lady, and I'm essentially done with it. Right. Um, it's good to go. But the eighth chapter of 18, you know, I think just dropped in Dark Horse Presents. Right. Next year's my 20th anniversary. So this book only comes out monthly. Let's be right. So you only get the eight pages. So what you're saying is that even though you're finished with the story, it won't come out for another year. At least. Right. And next year's my 20th anniversary. And not having something special for your 20th anniversary is kind of like not throwing the bouquet at the wedding. Yeah, I mean, nobody yeah, wants yeah, this yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I either have to step on the gas and put and have that book come out earlier than it's intended to or come up with something else. Yes, yes. Well, uh, again, if you're listening, let's figure out that something else because it is third, what did you say, 20th anniversary? Yeah. Oh, wow. Boy, I, Carl, I remember you were, when you were the best newcomer. <laughs> I gave you an award for it. Good God. Yeah. Uh -huh. Well, you know, time flies. Don't it. Uh, Don't yeah. it just. Yeah. You know, Carl, there's been a lot of talk lately about problems with the industry, you know, mostly on the business side, whether we need new distribution channels, new models. Do you, do you follow that at all? Are you like, uh, I have gotten sadly out of touch with oh, that okay. since I, uh, since I, well, since I started doing so much more art and so much less work on the distributive side of things. But I know? mean, don't you think that almost is the, your own answer? It's like you're really too busy right now to worry about fretting, you know. Which so is, for you, for but you, it's probably a mistake on my part because when you're a self-publisher, you really do have to know every part of the business. The part of the business that I was not as good at as I needed to be to continue is marketing, self-marketing. Right. I mean, I can hand sell to anybody, but looking at the big picture and keeping the keeping things happening so that other people outside of shows know what is going on with me that is what I was not good at right and uh, so when you know 
continent shifted and slid in my personal life, and it was, uh, you know, uh, some family concerns made it more difficult for me to keep on top as well as I was, which is to say not very well. Uh, it, it really was a benefit to me to have a publisher. Right. That was my reason for moving away from self-publishing, not because I thought it was a bad business model. Right, right, right. Um, but it does also mean that I, as a creator, am not as in touch with the uh, the, the details because I don't have to be. Right, that's true. And I think that, you know, there's so many levels. Uh, uh, there's so many different levels to the system, you know. So now you, you know, you have a little bit of security and, you know, not as much nitty-gritty, which... Uh, you know, I might be biased, but I do think your time is best spent entertaining us with your gorgeous drawings and fascinating stories. Certainly <laughs> I am better at that than marketing. <laughs> well, then there's no shame. No, I'm not ashamed of it. I just, you know... Because you didn't hire someone. They hired you. Now yeah. you get money to do oh, what you're true. good at. So it sounds like a pretty good system. That's a pretty know. good match. And, yeah. you know, um, I it's, it's kind of perfect, really, because even though that means my book is coming out a bit slower than I might like, it means I've got plenty of time to uh, to, to spread out and find some new dance partners. Right, right, you know, right. Um, when, while signing books for uh, for the Archie yearbook here in Baltimore, I met a bunch of the writers over there, and, uh, you know, heck, I could do Archie. I don't have fun doing Archie. So you never know. You never know. I, I like I like oddball projects, you know, or things that are oddball compared to my work, you know. I mean, I've, uh, I've done My Little Pony. I've done Avatar. Uh, you know, I would love to do a Steven Universe comic. Because ah, uh, I love, love, love me some Steven Universe. All right. Well, boom, Archie, please. Uh-huh. Uh, you yep, know, yep, if yep. you're listening to this podcast, you can come over, buy some really cool Carlos Stevenfield art, support her on a Patreon, and then you can hire her to write some stories. And draw some stories. And draw them, too. You know, so pretty much let me do the package here. Well, Carla, we're going to let you get back to to interacting with your fans here and here at Baltimore Comic Con. But thanks so much for taking some time to talk to us. Thanks for having me, baby. Hi, this is Kate Fitzsimmons, and I'm at New York Comic Con with James Tiny in the Fourth. Hey, how's it going? So, how has your New York Comic Con 2016 been? Oh, it's been great. I mean, I, I always love the show. It's like one of, it's one of the biggest show uh, comic conventions in the country, and uh, just coming face to face with uh, so many amazing fans and so many people excited about uh, this medium and everything. It's just uh, it, it's really thrilling, and uh, you know, I couldn't be happier. So how were sales this year compared to other shows or other years? Oh boy, I mean, uh, honestly, people come here uh, looking looking to buy stuff, and uh, I'm happy to provide stuff for them to buy. <laughs> so it's it, it's been good. So what books are you currently on? Uh, I write detective comics for DC Comics, and uh, as well, I wrote the Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover. I also do a number of projects for Boom Studios, including The Woods, uh, The Backstagers, and Mimetic. And if you have uh, one thing that I haven't asked that you would like to share with our listeners, what would it be? Uh, you know, my comics are pretty good, and they should buy them. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.